Oops, I have to change paperwork. We're doing a bonus session, and you guys got to eat really good because that was some. That was good, wasn't it? All of it. Wow. And we did it right because we're supposed to have the fellowship and you know good meat, and we we pulled it off. It was good. This is the power of prayer, and to um, enter into this, I was thinking. I was telling David. I was thinking about doing something quick that would answer a few questions. Things not going to work. To um, you've heard a bunch of just statements about prayer. You've heard information. Maybe read books on prayer. But how this fits into the scheme of things or the real power of it may not have been touched on. So. Hopefully this will kind of put it into a context that would help help you see what it does and, and at what level it does it. So that's what we're going to try. And okay, so you all have you have cell phones. You know how that works. You got this um, incredible tool that you can you can get in touch with people. You can call people across the country, around the world. It's just just a neat technology to have that. And when you have your cell phone out, you have to be within one to two miles of a tower for that thing to work really well. It'll sometimes reach out five to seven. And actually older uh, cell phone technology would go further. But the new stuff requires that it be closer to a tower. So one to two miles, five to seven miles. And uh, just put this in some kind of context. You can communicate, you can send pictures, you can learn all kinds of stuff with that device. Now, just thinking about the size of the universe. And it's supposed to be 92 billion, with B, 92 billion light years across. You know, light year is... Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. So light's traveling that fast. So the distance light travels in a year is a light year. And 92 billion of those is the size of the universe. How far will your cell phone go? But you speak one prayer. Lord, save me. Instantaneously, it travels across the universe into the throne room of the living God. That fast. Better than the technology. More complete. And he's set it up in a way that we get to the privilege of being part of this communication device. And it's not just communication. He's going to bring all kinds of things with it. So prayer uh, plays a huge uh, part and what he's doing in the world, what he's doing in the cosmos, what he does in heaven, how he, how he works and where we fit into all of it. Jesus made a difference in his day and because he died on the cross, because he rose from the dead, because he entered into the heavenlies, all of those things changed some dynamics. Prayer has been available since the get-go, but he's changed some dynamics that made it uh, accessible in ways it wasn't before. So 
Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it most. So we are talking about that, the power of prayer, uh, this thing that God has, has made available to us, privileged us to be part of. And I, I love this. I love the prayer thing. I love the, the uh, bond that happens the, in the connection with, uh, with God. It's a process. You can develop, and it just keeps getting better and better, and it will for all eternity. It just... It's just available, but it's, it's a conversation with the Creator, and it exceeds all earthly talks. It takes us into uh, this being who has a listening ear, who understands us totally, who offers us everything we can possibly imagine, and he is, or we can't imagine, it's just so big, and he's just got more. Uh, that he, but he's allowing us to enter in. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And uh, I find a listening ear when I'm overcome, an encourager when I'm at the end of my rope, a fierce defender when I'm threatened, a teacher when I'm ignorant, a guide when I'm lost, and a father when I need comfort or correction, a brother when I need to be carried, a strength from the Spirit when I am weak. Prayer. And we get all that, and God just laid it out for us. And he says, come, let's just come, come to the throne. So let's talk about some spectrums. Here's some prayer spectrum that will be, uh, uh, I want to give you ends to this so you have some ideas to what is unfolding when we talk about prayer. Oops. Okay, prayer spectrum, communion. Enoch walked with God. Moses spoke to God face to face. I'm going to give you uh, statements, but not the scriptures or the references. You may know some of them, or you can look them up. But if I give you all those others, it'll take us all day. So we're not doing that. <laughs> it's giving you this, I'll give you the statements. So Enoch walked with God and in such a way that God just took him. So you remember the story. So he's... He's communicating with God. God enjoyed the communication, hanging out with Enoch, and then Enoch is just in heaven with the Lord. Moses spoke to God face-to-face on the mountain, and then after they built the tent of meeting, God would come down and meet with Moses. He'd just go out of the camp, go to the tent of meeting, and, and God would show up, and, and the cloud would be there, the pillar, and everybody knew he's in there talking to God. So there's this relationship. There's these communication, levels of communication that are unfolding. So there's communion, and there's also contact. So this can be just a tiny, tiny little thing. Remember, Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He is God. So anybody talking to him, even while he's on earth, that's prayer. So if you want to learn about prayer in a different way, just read the Gospels. See how he communicated, how he interacted with people. But here's contact. Roman centurion asked Jesus to heal his servant. It wasn't like a big warm-up. The Roman didn't become Jewish. There weren't any Christians at that point. He didn't go to Hebrew school. He didn't go to Sunday school. He just came to Jesus and said, Hey, I hear you can do things, and I believe it. 
That's all it took. It's a really short story. And Jesus does it. It's just contact. It's like you're running into somebody in the line at Walmart. Well, now it's self-serve, so I guess you don't have as many of those. But anyway, in the old days, contact uh, the penitent thief on the cross. Jesus, you know, ask Jesus, remember me. Remember, remember me when you go to paradise, when you're out of here. Jesus said, yep, I will. And today you will be with me in paradise. That's not a lengthy prayer. Again, he didn't know anything. He just nailed the cross next to Jesus. That's contact. So prayer can be from, from one end of communion. Noah, I mean, uh, Enoch goes, he's walking with God and he goes to heaven. He just skips over death. I mean, that's, they, they had such a tight uh, relationship. And the conversation must have been incredible. So that's different than the thief on the cross who just talks to Jesus for a second and and then he's entering into the to the heavenly realms as a result of that. So prayer can be a little, can be a lot, it can it can be a, a, a request for help, like you know, remembering me when you get to paradise. Uh, another, here's some more prayer spectrum. This is uh, accommodate, and with this particular end of things. This is God accommodating uh, prayers that people make. So there's demanding meat because manna wasn't good enough. That's the people of Israel marching across the desert. And they're just, you know, it's great. God, every day you provide food for us. There's the manna. Well, we don't want it. We want some meat. We want to be back in Israel. I mean, Egypt, we want some of that stuff. God accommodates. He sends them quail. Lots and lots of quail. Lots and lots until they throw up. Quail. He accommodates. So sometimes a prayer that you're praying may be one of those. You go, see, God answered my prayer. Well, if you're not really clear on what God's wanting to do, he may be giving you one of those accommodation things. And you might get sick. Demanding a king because God wasn't good enough. They decided... We don't want God to be king. We don't want his leadership or him to do things his way. So we want a king like everybody else. So if you've ever prayed, God, give me the right car, house, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, like everybody else, you might get an answer. And you go, see, God came through for me. He gave me exactly what I asked for. There are a lot of people who tell God what he should do. There's a whole, a whole theology built around this, and they tell them how they want it, and they go, look, he gave me that new Mercedes-Benz. He gave me that new, you go, hmm, could be an accommodation. That is not so positive, but it happens. So the spectrum, accommodate, and then there's nope. Israelites decide to enter the land after all. They've been, you know, wandering around. They go to Mount Sinai. They've crossed the Red Sea. They're, now they're at, the, they're at the border of the promised land. And the spies go into the land, and they come back. And ten of them said, nope, they are giants in the land. We don't want to go. That, you know, spread to everybody else. And the people go, well, we don't want to go in. And then God says, okay, then you get to wander in the desert for 40 years, and you all die off. And they said, we changed our mind. 
We're ready to go in now. Lord, let us go in. He says, nope. Y'all going to walk around for 40 years. You made your mind up. Get ready to go. So God offers an opportunity. And he says, I want you to come in. Take this by faith. Just go in. You will win. I'm with you. And we go, mm, no, I don't think I want to go with you. And then later we go, yeah, maybe I should. You might get a nope. And you wonder why. That, that can be tough. Paul asked for the thorn in his flesh to be removed. Here's a guy faithfully serving the Lord, walking with him through thick and thin. He's been you know, shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's been dead. He's back. He's running around, making the Lord known. And he's got this thing that really is a problem. And he asked the Lord three times, and then the Lord said, no, I'm not removing that. It is there for a purpose. And you go, no, no, it's always supposed to be like a rose garden. I'm supposed to be living in paradise now. It's always supposed to be comfortable and everything I want all the time. And if anything ever gets tough, it, it's just, that's just not right. God, God must have abandoned me. No, just sometimes it's right not to get that answer. So it's one of those unanswered prayers. And he says, no, you're not going to get that one. So we've got, you know, some, some length uh, or differences there on this, on this spectrum. So let's talk about how this God's plan and method. So God's plan is to have people that he can connect with who are going to be part of his family, and he wants to have communication with them. And he, he's, he's not making little robots. And you've heard that said before, but that's that really helps to realize he's not making anybody that's programmed to just do certain things. He's given everyone the freedom to choose, the responsibility to rightly choose him and, and the right ways to live. But he, he puts people in charge. So he's given responsibility for things on the planet to human beings. Now, there are other beings in heaven who are observing all of this, and some of them are like cheering and excited about what God's doing with these these uh, people, this new thing on earth. And then there's another group who thinks, no, nah, not so happy about that. So they want to interfere. So we do get that, that kind of coming in there too. But we have this heaven and earth. So Genesis one twenty six. let us make human beings in our image to be like ourselves. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. At the end of the book, end of the Bible, we have in Revelation 21, a new heaven and a new earth. So God, the heavenly beings, the angels, people are all together. So at the end of the book, it all comes back. So we're in the in-between, those two things. It's already been broken down. We're waiting. We're seeing where God's taking us, and we're moving in that direction. He includes these angelic beings, these heavenly beings, in decision-making. And he, and he includes people as well. But this is an, an example of that. Micaiah, this is in First Kings chapter 22. And they, there's a decision on... Uh, what are we going to do with King Ahab? We've got to get rid of that guy. He's a bad king. He's causing people to worship um, 
Baal and, you know, it's just, and it's the lack of justice, the lack of, uh, just, just bad. So we're going to get rid of them. This is God in heaven with his people, with his people, <laughs> with his council, with his, the heavenly beings. And they're discussing it. That's what's happening in First Kings 22. As they talk about that, he says, ideas? You guys, anything? So yeah, just think about this. God can make all the decisions all the time. He really doesn't need any help. He's chosen to use the beings he's created in heaven and the beings he's created on earth to participate because he wants all of us to be in, in, involved in this. So he's asking them in 1 Kings 22, so what do you think? What can we do? And Micaiah, the prophet, gets to observe all of this. And he sees this, how this plays out. He hit in one of the spirits, one of the heavenly beings, says, well, what about this? Throws out this idea. God says, let's do that. So they turn it loose. Micaiah reports on that to um, Ahab. And he says, Ahab, you're going to get killed. But... The, the plan was, let's put lying spirits in the mouths of all the prophets. They won't know. They'll tell Ahab he's going to win, all of them. And they typically did that anyway. Let's just go with that. So he get false information. He goes out there and gets killed. So why would God include, and why would that be included in the scriptures, except that we get a glimpse of what's happening behind the scenes? A little bit of what is beyond our vision, beyond what's in the history books. It's what's happening out there. And it's God including and participating or talking with heavenly beings that he's, he's created. And he's built them so that they have a mind and they can think and they can be creative and they're involved. So that's pretty cool. So God has a plan and he talks to Noah. And he gives him a big job. You know, that's, that's pretty impressive. We really don't have a lot of information on that. You know, you know you're living in a country that doesn't, you're not at the ocean, and you're going to build a big boat. The neighbors are going to notice. It's pretty big. You've got to cut down a bunch of trees. Where did he learn engineering or shipbuilding or all of the things that go into that. So somewhere he's had conversations with God who's given him clues on how to do this. And he has now built something that would work and how to take care of critters and do all that. But that's, you know, that's a big job. God talks to Abram and he includes him. And this is another one. This, as you're going through Genesis, you come across this. So God calls him out of Ur of the Chaldees, so he comes to Canaan. That's one call, but that's God just telling Abram, you know, I want you to do this. Later, he's meeting with them, and it's three of them, and they walk up, and Abram notices from a distance, oh, look who's coming to dinner. And he gets up, and, you know, they prepare a meal, and they feed them, and these are heavenly visitors. God himself is coming to dinner, going to sit down with Abram. Tells him he's going to have a son. That's part of the promise that, you know, we're leading into in the, in the story in Genesis. Then, uh, you know, he looks over and says, you know, we shouldn't keep a secret from our old buddy here. 
We're headed over to Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, we're going to take it out. They have a conversation. So God, in flesh, or not flesh, but manifested, can say, uh, I'm just going over to Sodom and Gomorrah and wipe it out. He doesn't. He just says he's going to do that. Abraham says, well, what if there's some righteous people in there? So they negotiate. Once again, he's got somebody. He's not mad. He doesn't tell them to shut up. He just includes them, and he argues all the way down to 10 people. He says, what, what if they're 10? Okay. Abram's satisfied. God's satisfied. He goes, there's not. He still wipes it out. There's a conversation. There's inclusion of humans, just like in the heavens with that group. And God is taking uh, information. He's sharing it with them. He's including insights. And he's listening to what they have to say. He doesn't have to. He just chooses to. He wants to include us. That's a conversation that a human being had with a living God. That's prayer. That's just prayer. We are invited to participate in the things of God. We are invited to be part of what he is doing in this world. We are not given the opportunity to take on such a powerful thing in a pitiful way. Like, I'll come to you with my shopping list. Here's all my desires. And you should deliver. And God Almighty is just shaking his head. Like, I'm allowing them to give me input? Maybe not. He may give in, but we know what those are like. Hopefully he says, nope, which is better. Just think about that. He wants to include us in these, in these conversations and decision-making about what's happening in the world and in the heavens. So prayer is communication. It's conversation with God. It's, it's involving we become involved with what God's done. God's plan is to have his heavenly and earthly family enjoying life together with him. Ultimately, that's where we're headed, new heaven, new earth. God's method is to include his family to accomplish his purposes. And the family is heavenly and earthly. So he's going to use both. And he's going to use both of us in, in the process of impacting this world. So God's response to rebels... God's response to rebels. So we have uh, our story of Adam and Eve in Genesis. Because of their rebellion, God exiles them from the Garden of Eden, from paradise. That no longer is an, is an option for them. They were there to, to make the world a better place all over and help everyone to be a part of it. But no, they didn't want to do that. So anyway, they become, they're, now they're exiled. But God wants to bring people back. He doesn't want to send them off and it's over. He wants to have a human family, so he brings them back around. There's also a rebel from the heavenly realm involved in this, the serpent. He's dealt with as well. There are others in other rebellions as we go along, and they are dealt with and, and sent out of the presence of God. So exile is the key. So 
Human and divine rebels are exiled, excluded, punished, and finally die. Death is, you know, part of human, but that's not uh, part of human uh, futures. But that's not the final death. The second death is the final one. So there's there's more to that story. But anyway, it's in the process. So we've got God's plan and method. We've got God's response to rebels. God's invitation to participate. He puts this out. He wants us to be part of this. His plan, like including uh, Noah and Abram and uh, the children, he just wants all of that. The people on, in, uh, of Israel on Mount Sinai, he's giving them an opportunity to hear him, to see him, to uh, enjoy his, his reality. That is, um, it is something that, he is offering to humanity that he has something to say, something to do, something that he wants to uh, uh, make a difference in. And so we also have Jesus and the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. So they, they meet on the Mount of Transfiguration, so the three disciples, but then we've got Elijah and Moses, they're... they're from the Old Testament. So now they're brought into this. So has Jesus through the years had interaction with Moses and Abraham? When we got, as Jesus talks about his relationship with Abraham in the Gospels, he said, yeah, yeah, we talked, and, which made people mad. But he has this relationship that's continued. You think, but you, you were just born recently, like on Christmas, and, and now... You know, you're saying you know Abraham, and that's no way. No, this thing's been going on a while, and Jesus is in touch. God the Father's in touch. This is an ongoing thing. So there's uh, invitation to, relate, to participate includes relationship. Uh, it involves loyal love, loyal love. God's loving kindness, his faithfulness to us continues. His is solid, unquestioned. Ours to him is the issue. Is our love for him, which we are called to do, actually there? When it is, we are part of this. And we can communicate with him. We are participating with him. We can be involved in the things he is involved in that impact people and the heavenly beings cosmically. And we get to be a part of that. So relationship, loyal love, instructions. God has given us God has given us instructions in the in the scriptures. He's given us instructions uh, through a multitude of ways. Uh, from that, we are to be obedient. So obedience plays a part. And all of those who get these instructions that we are given in the scriptures, you get a clue as this matters. These instructions matter. If we disregard them, if we say they're not as important as how I feel about my day or my culture, we're in trouble. We're supposed to be obedient to the things that he's given us and instructions. And then there's conversation, which is prayer. But this conversation goes way beyond the shopping list version. This is engaged with its purposes, what he's trying to do on, on a larger scale. So God's conditions. God's conditions faithful. He's looking for faithful people who follow through. 
who, when they say they love him, or they make, him, make loving him number one, that's a priority, that's faithfulness. Believing, often you'll hear a statement, especially when Jesus is talking to someone, well, they believe. And because they believe, this took place. And he's saying, if you believe this. Well, some of that has to do with some faithful connections. Some of it's believing just for that small thing in that, in that moment. But this is, this is big. These are the conditions that are huge. And when we apply them, again, they become cosmic. It has to be God-centered. Think about prayers. Are they normally God-centered or what I'm feeling today-centered? What's happening to me and my group and my thing and my day-centered? And God's going, you know, I'm doing a lot more than... I got a lot more going on. And uh, with 8 billion of you, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm concerned. Big, big concern. I take care of your thing too. But getting on board with him is the key. Finding out what he's doing, why he's doing it, that we get to be a part of it, that changes things. So God-centered knowledgeable. We have to learn it. We've got to be in the scriptures. We've got to know where the flow is. We need to understand what the words mean. We need to understand how prayer functions and spirit-led. We are told that we can tell that we are children of God when we are led by the Spirit from Romans 8, when we are led by the Spirit. And then we're told that we are to pray in the Spirit. We'll get into some of that later, but that, that idea means that the Spirit has to participate in this in a functioning way that isn't just, well, I'm a Christian, I went to church once, and so I'm good. And, and I'm therefore Spirit-led, and I'll just throw out whatever. Whatever's don't work. I mean, you can get an answer, but you already so, saw what some of those are. If you want to connect with what God is doing, then that means Spirit-led, where the Spirit is actually active and involved in guiding us in prayer. God's accommodation of demands. Misguided prayers may be answered. Kind of touched on that. Misguided prayers may be answered. And we've probably all had some of those. What's the sad side of that is we think that those are legit. And we begin to do more of those. Wow, that worked. Look what I got out of that. I'm going to pray some more of those. Not learning the lesson. And it, it kind of spirals out. Uh, God's warnings or provisions go unheeded or unappreciated. So he allows human wisdom and demands to be granted. Yep. God has a lot to say. He's giving us directions. He's saying the bridge is out or turn this way or we can change the world if you just go do this. And we go, well, that that sounds uncomfortable. I don't think I want to go there. And we allow human wisdom and our own demands for things to go our way to enter into that. And, uh, And sometimes he'll say, okay, here you go. How about some quail? Oh, man, I got quail. God's protection from disastrous requests. I really appreciate these. 
harmful to yourself, others, or the divine plan. God's protection from disastrous request. The image you see up there is King Saul. He won a victory. and Well, he got back and the guy started to wander off and he decided, you know what? I better make a sacrifice here real quick. Samuel's not here to do it. So he took on the role of a priest. He's the king. He's the leader of the army. That's what he's supposed to do. But he decided to take on the role of a priest. As a result of that, God was disappointed and said, I'm taking the kingdom away from you because he's not listening. He's not obedient. He's not following through. He's not staying in his lane. He's just doing his own thing. Harmful to yourself, others, or the divine plan. And uh, that's, that's one. Uh, misplaced compassion. And that's probably something that... that we've all wrestled with because we're praying for things. We're praying for people to be protected. We're praying for uh, ourselves to be protected. We don't want disastrous things to come. So we want to pray that somebody straightens out, that they get their spiritual lives right, that we just come up with this whole list of stuff. And God says, okay, I'm going to send them a, a car accident. Nope, nope. It's got to be gentle. It's got to be kind. No cancer. No tumors. Just, you know, just change them. Well, that's how it changes people. Discipline. Um, sometimes our heads have to hit up against a wall. And even then, as we've read in Malachi, they can hit the wall a lot and still not get it. So... That compassion thing, it's not God's compassion. It's from a human desire to make it comfortable for ourselves or for somebody else, or we just don't want to watch it. And yet God is saying, I I really want the best for that person. So they're going to have to lose that leg before they'll listen. Is that important to you as one of my people to be on my team while I accomplish, accomplish the very best for that individual, we go, mm, no. Lord, save that leg. And it takes another 50 years, or maybe they never get it. And we play a part. He's allowing us to be part of the team. He wants to accomplish great things. Sometimes our prayers are misguided. Uh We step out of our place, beyond one's proper place. Again, that's Saul. He's not supposed to be doing the job of a priest. He's doing the job of a king. I mean, he's supposed to be a king, not a priest. And so he violates the rules. And Samuel was coming. He's late, at least in in Saul's mind. So, you know, there's the possibility that Samuel's just sitting on the next hill watching this. Just going to see what Saul does. I'll show up a little bit late and see... If he follows through, or if he, you know, just test him. And he lost the kingdom as a result. God's multi-layered wisdom for responding to prayer. God's multi-layered wisdom for responding to prayer. And this, it takes on a lot. So God's honor and purposes. God's honor and purposes. He's laying that out. He, his, his name is to be lifted up. He is to be glorified. He is not to be toyed with. 
or reduced. So he's supposed to be honored, and his purposes are supposed to be supreme. That plays a part in this when we're, we're, when we're praying. It is God's battle with the beings of darkness. So there's a whole war that's going on, and he's having to fight that and keep that in mind. And how much information does he give at a particular time? Because sometimes we ask, well, God, what's the next step? Where are we headed? What's going to happen here? When? And we talked about that in relationship to the Messiah's arrival, that God kept that secret, spread it all through the scripture. It's there, but he just spread it out so that the beings of darkness couldn't figure it out. And if they had, they would have done something different. He's going to do the same thing with us. And we're going, I, I just want the whole plan. You know, give me the 3,500-page book, and just, I just lay it out. And all the enemies of darkness would know exactly where, what's coming. So he doesn't. So consider yourself blessed. But he is answering these prayers based on how can I accomplish this here with this person, accomplish my purposes, do uh, glorify myself, and defeat the enemy in answering this prayer. So these are layers. So I'm just saying, just layer these up when you're thinking about prayer and, and you're going, well, it's just me and I just want this, whatever it is. And you go, God, why couldn't you just give me that? Well, think of the layers. His glory, well, that's all about me and making me happy. His glory, his purpose, he's doing battle. Uh, God's knowledge of cause and effect. What if I allow this? How many dominoes fall when I do this? Where do things go? You ever heard of the butterfly effect? Butterfly in North America flaps its wings. There's a hurricane in the Far East. There's a book. Anyway, so there's this effect of a small thing affecting a big thing. You go with, okay, well, there's cause and effect, and it's happening all the time. God set up the rules. This is all, you know, we have gravity. We can't just, God, turn off the gravity. There's gravity. We, how do we deal with it? Cause and effect. What if I pray this, then what's the effect going to be on the people down the street or in the next county or my children or grandchildren? Because I wanted this. And God is saying, I'm taking that into account. You don't even know what's down there. You don't know what's around the corner. You don't even know what the weather is tomorrow until you look at the app on your phone. So I've got a lot more going here. God's timing. Well, it's got to be immediate or yesterday. My, my answered prayer. And when you read through Scripture and you go, what, there's 400 years between the request and the answer? Or... He tells them that the Messiah is going to come and we've got thousands of years before he shows up. What are you doing? And he says, and exactly the right time. Galatians 4.4. 4, that's when Jesus came. Exactly the right time. He doesn't miss it. We will. But we can get frustrated with God and what he's doing because our time, his timing is not our timing. But he's looking at that. So what are the layers? What are the layers? God's concern for you. How can this best help you? 
help you to understand him, get close to him, grow in him. So he's answering a prayer or he's entering into conversation with you and he wants to include all of this. But you matter. Jesus died on the cross for you because he loves you. So he wants to hear from you, but he wants to hear from you based on his conditions, his way of accomplishing things, where he's headed so that he can do the best for you and others, heaven and earth. It's all of us. So God, God's delight in your prayers, God's delight in your prayers. So ask, we're told in James that uh, the reason we don't have answered prayers, because we just don't ask. We're not engaged enough with God to, to uh, trust him or want to include him in the conversation. We just want to run things. And it says, don't do that. Ask. Uh, confide. Share your heart. Share what's hard. Share what the joys. Share what you're trying to sort out, the mysteries. Confide. Confess. If you've overstepped or understepped or stepped in it, whatever it is, just confess it. And get get that dealt with. Seek seek him. That's almost, especially in Jeremiah, when you put those the ask and the seeker together often in those verses. So come, find me, do all you can. Uh, that means really work at it. And so in this conversation, it's not just in passing. It's like you really want to hear from him or you really want him to hear you. So ask, seek, confide, confess, uh, appreciate, appreciate the things that he's done, appreciate that he's there, that he's listening, that he, beyond the edges of this universe, at his throne, can hear you. That's how good this is. And he is hearing what you have to say, and he knows your heart, and he's listening hard. Beyond the words you speak, he knows what's going on. So you appreciate, thank him, and listen. Listen. Because he may be saying something to you, and he may be leading you somewhere, or he's comforting you in some way, or he's giving you an answer to this, or saying not yet. That doesn't mean that's a no. It just means good idea. Uh, not yet. So listen, and then see what God does with it. In Acts 4.31, we have this. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. There's a prayer group. This is the early church. This is pretty much the whole church. And uh, Peter and John have been, you know, once again beat up and dealt with. And so they have said, no, we're sticking with Jesus. We're not going to listen to men. And, and he's the real deal. And so they come back and they're, they're released. And so they get back and they pray and this happens. So the place, the place that they're in shakes. They have lined with God. They're doing God's purposes. They're accomplishing what he's called them to do. They are listening to him. They're participating in his uh, plan on earth. And it, that particular plan with this group, this isn't like universal. Everybody has to do this and move to Jerusalem. It's just, there's a, it's all in alignment and God, in reaching out to them, shakes the building and confirms that he's listening to their prayer. 
And he will do that in our hearts. He will shake things around us. He'll shake the tree, rattle the cage, all the stuff to let us know that he's, he's heard. So listen, because he has stuff to say. And he is faithful in, in, in prayer. And he wants us to be a part of this. So God's prayer process. God's prayer process. You put together uh, your prayer. So you can, you can put this together however you, you want to do this. And uh, you communicate to him. There's preparation. So here's how you get this, the rest of it together. Preparation. Knowledge of God. His plans and ways. So there's, uh, as you're forming these prayers or entering into these conversations, you got to know something about God. Is he faithful? Is he trustworthy? Is he safe? Is he not safe? Is he angry at me? Is he, what, what do you know about God? What do you know the characteristics? What are the attributes of God? That helps a great deal in prayer. What are his plans and his ways? Because if we're saying, you know, somehow we got to get in tune with what he's doing in this world and in the cosmos. How do we get there if we don't spend time in the scriptures to discover what he says about these things? If we are just assuming I'm just here on the planet and, and I'm just so wonderful and he just wants to know how I feel today, that may not be enough. So there's knowledge that requires study, thinking about it, meditating on it, just, you know, getting getting to know him. And if you walked with him for a number of years, a lot of that's already there. I mean, it's not like you have to start over at zero. You got that. And, and some of it is, is helping you to know more and more about where you fit in, this, in the whole picture so that your prayers are more accurate and on, on track with him. Request. And request can be uh, need, want, or desired change. So that's often where we're coming from, especially when it's your prayer, our you know personal prayer, and it's something. And, and you know, Jesus said, "Hey, pray for some your daily bread." That's that's a good thing. Pray pray for those things, but pray about the relationships. And if you need to forgive somebody, forgive them. And uh, you know, pray that the evil one won't get a hold of you. I mean, it's, it's just. Need, want, or desired change. Uh, the process received at the throne. Processed. That prayer is processed through God's love, goodness, wisdom, and plan. All of those things, that's those layers that are, that are there. And, it, and it's multi-layered. And God has all of those things in mind and much, much more when he's considering the prayer. It's, and it's not just simple, well, how come, he, why didn't he air up my tire when it was low? It just, he's got something going on that's bigger than all that. And then the response, and, and the response can be yes, no, wait. You know, those three are pretty typical. But it may be down the road, may not be in our generation, it may be 400 years. It may be surprisingly right now completely miraculously because he breaks in and does that as well so those are really fun there is a battle to block your prayer there's a battle to block your prayer so when you pray 
God hears you beyond this universe. He hears you in the th- at the throne. He puts it through the layers. And he does that, of course, instantly. So all of that's done. Now he's responding. And it's got to get back through the second heaven, back to us in some fashion. Sometimes those are immediate. Sometimes they're not. And we know from Daniel that he prayed. It was 21 days before he got an answer. Then an angel shows up and says, well, been fighting the prince of Persia to just get here with this answer. And he says, there's more coming because the prince of Greece is coming. We got more battles going on. So just a minute on, on, on Daniel. So here's Daniel praying for, he is a captive. Remember that? He's from Israel. He is a captive of the Babylonians. He has been mutilated because now he's a eunuch. He works for the government that opposed his people, took them captive. And three times a day, he is praying for those in authority. I want you to think about it. Three times a day, a government opposed to your people He's praying for. He goes out to spend 21 days by the river to seek God on whose behalf? Everybody. He's finding out about the kingdoms of the world, the future. Because he's praying about the things that God is doing, what he's accomplishing. He's joined with God on the things of, at a different level. If he were just praying about me and my buddies here, you know, there's lions, dens, and fires, and man, it sucks here, Lord. We really need to get out of this. You would never have heard of Daniel. We're told to pray for kings and those in authority. Why? You represent the salvation of the world. Your prayers. Make a difference. Just like Daniel's did. Remember what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? He declared there is one God. The Most High. That's Daniel's God. How do you get there? You pray three times a day. You get thrown in a lion's den. You pray on those things that are far greater than, you know, I, I need a chocolate sundae today. He Fasted 21 days, just saying. No barbecue, no nothing. Ah, There's a battle to block your prayer. And the more you're doing this, the more you're in tune with what God's doing, the more the battle will increase. Just know it. He's coming to block you. If you get what I'm telling you today, the enemy will come on strong. Your prayers are not wasted. The battle is not against flesh and blood, but against unseen forces. The battle is not against flesh and blood, but unseen forces. Those are those angelic beings, some of great power, some of less, but they're around, and they make a difference. They're influencing nations, they're influencing individuals, stuff you see in the news. A lot of that is just the outworking of of what they're doing. Your prayers are not wasted because you are involved and ought to be involved in praying 
and protecting other people. Protection for loved ones is part of what you're doing. But I didn't get that prayer. They didn't get what I prayed for them. You prayed for them, and God heard your prayer and protected them from the darker version of things. Things could be worse. He's saying, you know what? I'm going to back off these angelic beings, the dark side, the demons or whoever's involved in this, those divine beings. I'll send angels. I'll send the Holy Spirit. I'll put power. I'm going to answer your prayer and protect them. But I didn't see anything. That's why it's unseen powers, unseen results. We are praying, trusting God to accomplish things that we don't see worked out in our time and around us. I mean, sometimes we can see them or get a vision of them, but not always. But it's unfolding. That's why we trust God to take care of the things that are out there. And we're praying and going, God, you know, take care of that, change their mind, change their heart, guide them. And, and God's doing, okay. And he keeps some demonic force from dragging them down. And you go, but I didn't get what I want. I just wanted them to, you know, straighten up. He just saved them. They're still here. He's trying to move them to another level, give them time to respond. He is still at work. But it didn't happen the way I wanted, probably. If you get one of those, just write it in your prayer book. It's pretty cool. Is he still answering? Yeah, in amazing ways. Protection for loved ones, that's happening. Changes in governments, ditto. Well, that's not the government. That's not the one I voted for. Yeah, could have a full-on communist Nazi onslaught. You don't have one of those. Why is that? Well, if I find 10 righteous, I won't destroy that place. Huh. You mean our prayers make a difference and are keeping us alive? Yep. Well, I just don't much care for prayer because it's just not doing what I want it to do. Then get your communist hat on and get ready. God's answering prayer. The answer to the world's problems are the prayers we're praying so that God is active in ways. We release him because he gave us responsibility for the world. That was Genesis. We read that. It got stolen. So it's been impacted, drug around by, you know, the prince of the power of the air. And now he's saying, I'm going to give you the power of prayer. You can get involved in this. I want you to be part of this. I want you to be partners with me in making a difference in this world. This is how you do it. You get involved in prayer. You pray for things. You pray for changes. Realizing that there's a whole lot of stuff going on beyond where we are. Way above our pay grade. All around us. And he's taking care of it. And we release God's power to deal with those things when we pray. We just get to be part of it. And we change governments as a result of that. So may not be exactly what you pictured in your mind, but it may be something that God has in mind and he's dealing with a whole lot more. And he's watching dominoes and he's watching what is going to accomplish his purposes. 
We pray. We just pray. God's prayer team, protect others, praying for one another, and we're supposed to be about that. Pray for the people around us, people in the church, people in our family, community, provide opportunities. Uh, we're praying for God to, to just do an amazing work and invade, prevail over evil, and we are participating in God's plan. We are participating in God's plan. Praying in the Spirit, another part of this. These are all downloadable because David put them on the website or somewhere. Yes, website. So if you just want the notes, you can get those there. Praying in the Spirit. Um, listening to the Holy Spirit's guidance in prayer. Listening to the Holy Spirit's guidance in prayer. He will do that. He will give you a heads up. It may be a, a, an echo, like a repeated name, something you read in Scripture. It shows up again. It's like on the radio. It's like it shows up in a number of different places just on your heart, and you just really get it. Or, you know, he can speak it out if he wants to. But just you know, be aware that he may be guiding you in some, some way to pray for a particular thing. It could be around you, people around you, people at school, people in the news. When you drive down the road, it may be for the gas station. It may, there just may be things that he just points out. And when he does, pray. And he'll often give you what you need to know to pray for in that particular scenario. Um. So listening and allowing, allowing, allowing him to lead even when you don't understand everything. Ever struggled with that? I don't want to pray it. I don't want to do it. I just want you to tell me why. I want you to tell me, and the, really the reason for getting why is so I can say, well, I don't want to do it because that's not the reason I'd want to do it. And he's going, well, I just want you to trust me. Just allow me to lead, and I will guide you in the direction you need to go, even in prayer. So, we do that. Uh, okay, called to pray. Called to pray. There is a movement. Uh, wow. I think the building shook. It must be him. Okay, so he, the 24-7 prayer is a thing. It's, there's websites, there's churches, there are groups that are doing that, books that are put out on 24-7 prayer. You realize that means all the time. And they have groups, and they pray. They have buildings, and they set aside um, like rooms and churches or whole buildings. And so one hour a day or four hours a day or whatever, somebody takes that section and they pray, and then the next person rolls in and another person rolls in and so that's that's twenty four seven prayer, and, uh, and one way that it shows up. Uh, what it's not is that uh, you know you can do that. That's okay, but we are told that we are to pray and never to cease. Is that for one group for Billy Bob, Marjorie? You know, you go huh. Nope, it's for all of us. Why? Because we are the powerhouse that God's going to use to impact the world and the heavens. 
So we ought always to pray and never to cease. That's going to be hard because, you know, the monks, they kind of they built whole buildings and they live in there and they pray. And so I'm thinking of where your brains are going on this thing. This isn't going to work. I, I got stuff to do. Yeah, exactly. Because that's not what he intended in the first place. It wasn't built around that. There are times when God's going to say, I want you to set aside a week, 21 days, go down the river, three times a day, pray. That's Daniel. We don't get that from Meshach. We don't get the three prayers a day, Meshach. Because that wasn't his deal. So we've got, a, we've got another way. We've got to look at this another way. This is so built into the believer that it's normal. It's just normal. I can't even say normal. Normal. So whatever, regular, typical, usual. I don't know, some word like that. But it's, it's the, the ongoing reality of God, knowing that he, he's at work. We've prayed. We've spent some time in Scripture. We've done what we're supposed to do. We're walking with him in faith. We're, we're pursuing his purposes. We want to honor him, glorify him. We're doing those things that we've already covered. We know the battle is on, so we're involved with that. So we're in conversation with God. We're in tune with God 24-7. It's alive in us. And you recognize it because he begins to change us. The fruit of the Spirit is evidence of that. So the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, you go, okay, I'm doing that. How did that happen? Because I didn't take a class on it. I just suddenly am doing better at these things. Yeah, because he's at work, and he begins to make that come alive. And the prayer he's leading from Romans 8, he's guiding us. And you go, oh, so what's praying in the Spirit? It's joining God. It's walking with him. It's the prayer that comes out of the individual who's being responsible to take care of what they need to take care of. You got little kids? You're supposed to take care of little kids. You're driving a bus? You better be driving a bus. Don't be on your knees with your hands folded. Drive the bus. So it's about living life wherever God's led us. Now, if we're doing that and it's on our own, then we're out of sync. But if we're good, we're, where God wants us, we're moving with him, we're growing, we're listening. And as you saw, there's a, there's a scale here. We may be just at the beginning of this, but we also may be, at a place like Enoch and we're walking with God and any minute we're just going to step into heaven. Somewhere in between there is probably where we are. We, that's where we are. That, no, probably. So this is the life. This is living the life with him, connecting with him, living out the, God's impetus when he says, now I want you to pray for that and that may be conscious, take the moment because I'm already in the spirit of prayer. The Spirit is working in me. I'm moving with God. I'm walking with Him, doing what He's called me to do. I want you to pray for that. Something comes on the news. Okay, I need to pray for something happening in another country. All of a sudden, something you read in Voice of the Martyrs, I need to pray for those guys in Nigeria. And He brings things to mind, and you go, okay, now. And you, the Spirit will grab you by the heart and say, okay, now. So pray. And immediately, something will, will occur. And you'll see results. And uh, battles are being fought. And just trust God that he's, 
he's taking care of things because he, he's definitely working in such a way that you know, it's just amazing. Cass, what happened to you when you were driving the other day in some little kid over in Arkansas? Sure, she's driving down, coming back from school, and all of a sudden she feels the sense that the... babies are fine but that scenario of he may prompt you and all of a sudden where did that come from where did that thought come from where did that that just this twinge and you go okay and why did your mind go to that not something else i need to pray it's time to talk to god something's unfolding and and god's at at work he's just you know moving people in and doing a variety of things. When Dorothea passed away, I didn't know she passed away. I just knew that for some reason her spirit was walking down the hallway and I'm in there in that office and I look out in the window and I go, what? And then she comes in here. And, there's, and then there's no Dorothea. And then I get word she passed. I thought, that's cool. She stopped by. She didn't visit, but she stopped by. But we don't know. I mean, God's, God's moving things around us, and it's in the unseen world. And he's touching people, and he's going to give his heads up, and he's going to say, pray about this. He's going to say that there are some people that need, need particular things, or I need you to take time. We remember the whole thing with Joplin. We didn't go up and move junk out of the streets. We didn't nail one nail we just prayed, sent a team up, went, surrounded the city and prayed. Drive through the city now and look at what's there. And you can hear the stories of how God intervened and some things that have happened. And you go, yeah, but the only thing that matters is you put on some gloves. Just saw a thing in the uh, Tulsa world, did a story that was about the um, atheist in Tulsa. And they fed the homeless. They made sandwiches, they took food down, and they fed the homeless. They said, yep, those Christians, they just want to pray. This is, this is the way you actually take care of people. But yeah, like Christians don't go there and feed people. Isn't that what 316 Mission does like every day? But no, the Christians aren't down there just praying. However, what is it in the lives of the homeless people that is most desperate? They're far from God, they're far from family, they're far from friends, they're far from life. And I bet you that sandwich is what makes a difference. 
They need prayer. It doesn't hurt to give them a sandwich too, but they need prayer. And we get to participate in that. And God's at work, and he wants to include us in this process to do something so incredible and so powerful that it is, it's not just in passing. It's not just some huge burden placed on us like that, you know, I don't think that 24-7 prayer thing is a, necessarily a burden. It's just a method that they've come up with. But that's no more sacred than, you know, you're, you're just going down to McDonald's and you're just meeting with people and, and you're walking with the Lord. And then those people you pass, things will happen. Things will come to mind and you pray for, for them. And, and you're just getting involved. So your prayers please God. He is pleased by your conversation with your prayers. And extends God's influence in heaven and earth. So keep praying. Just keep praying. Makes all the difference in the world. And I hate to do this. Anybody got questions? <laughs> yep. <laughs> 